one thing that I've learned is in, in my years of ministry is that whenever theology intersects with kids, magic happens. <laughs> and usually some pretty profound wisdom happens in the midst of that too. Uh, so like a long time ago, I was hanging out with some kids from church, and, or kids at church, and we were in a really tough spot. Um, we were eating hot dogs, but we could not find ketchup. And so uh, I turned around to a kid that was with me, and I was like, Jake, this is a crisis. Do you know what a crisis is? And Jake said, a Jesus crisis? And I was like, is this a Jesus crisis? I've heard of Jesus crisis. I was like, yeah. Um, I had to tell him not every answer at church is Jesus Christ, um, and not everything in church and that we experience in life rises to the level of a Jesus crisis too. Uh, missing ketchup for your hot dog is a Jesus crisis, but not everything is, of course. And so I was thinking about that this week, and, and I thought, you know, actually, I think Jake may have had a point. I think maybe more things in my life, uh, and maybe even in our world, maybe they should raise the level of Jesus crisis. Maybe I need to let Jesus weigh in a little more in my life. Um, not necessarily on the missing ketchup part, but perhaps on how I respond to when ketchup is missing and things don't go as planned. But even more, even more, how I respond in this life to things, to my neighbor, um, to, to injustice in our world, to bigotry and racism, to the, to the needs of the most vulnerable in our midst and at our borders, to the needs of creation and the environment, how I respond to a culture of self-seeking and body image, to simply how I respond to the circumstances of life and where I'm headed in purpose. I, I want to head in the direction. I want to respond like Jesus would. In so many words, I want to live and love. I want my life to look more and more the way that Jesus lived and the way that Jesus loved. It was the Jesus who said these things about this way. Blessed are the peacemakers. Love your enemies. You cannot serve God and wealth. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. I want to be like that, Jesus. Um, not that I think I'm anywhere close. I'm not in danger of being uh, like Jesus. I, I can't even grow a beard that connects all the way around. Um, <laughs> much less love as I've been loved. <laughs> um, and it's not that we think that we're close to being like Jesus, but, but it's that Jesus thought that we, we could be. That we could, in fact, learn to live and to love like Jesus. We could be transformed. And in fact, in so many ways, that that transformation about learning that is, about, is what this whole thing is about. As Hannah articulated, it's, it's about this community where we come together to encounter God and learn to live and love and love each other and ourselves in the way of Jesus. And those who walked with Jesus saw that as what they were doing. They called themselves disciples. And in Greek, uh, the word for disciple is methetes, which literally means a student or a learner. They were students. They were, they were people asking questions, uh, making mistakes, sometimes every once in a while oversleeping for a class, perhaps. No one in this room is that kind of a student, I know, but just theoretically, I th that's part of this story too. But most of all, through all of that, they saw their journey as one of learning, 
of growing, of, of maybe even getting better at what it is that we're studying, that process of becoming more and more fully and redemptively our truest human selves. We're students of the way of Jesus, a way that at its heart and at its root is about love of God and neighbor and ourselves. And so Jesus said it like this toward the end of his time with the disciples. He summed up the whole of the course and the syllabus. He said in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And if you don't flip out when the ketchup goes missing, I think Jesus said too. And you know Peter was flipping out when the ketchup goes missing in their, uh, in their hot dog stuff. No, he, he said, you'll, they'll know you that you're my disciple by your love. Not how many verses of a Bible you know or churches that you've gone to or how many answers you can give to pop quizzes that they'll know by your love. That's the heart and the aim and the curriculum. That's everything. That's what we're seeking to walk in the way of, and as we walk, that's what we grow in, love. And, and stating it that simply, sometimes, honestly, seems like a pretty radical idea <laughs> in this world in which it seems like some of the loudest religious voices in the public square, that those loudest voices are often least like Jesus in their love and in their life, and maybe that's the real Jesus crisis in this whole story. Right? So for this very reason, many of us, I know, sometimes have struggled with that name Christian because of the connotation and the baggage, maybe our own experience, and having to say over and over again, yeah, but I'm not that kind of dot, dot, dot. But that name Christian that was given to the disciples and the followers of Jesus was actually a nickname given to them by other people. Um, Later on in the story, the students of Jesus were given um, in the cities that they lived this nickname Christian, which like in Greek kind of sarcastically meant little Christ. Like, oh, you're just a little Jesus. You're just trying to be like Jesus and walk in the way of Jesus, which would be an awesome nickname for someone to label you with. That would be like going to karaoke and, and getting a nickname like Little Adele or something while you're there. It just means you're doing something right. You're taking some risks. You're going for it, not just being like me and singing Weezer songs at karaoke all the time. You're going for it. And so that was the nickname that they were given. I think that's a beautiful thought, that that's how they were experienced. But that nickname only appears three times in the whole of our scripture library. Instead, what, what those who followed Jesus and were around Jesus were actually called most often, and they, a label they took themselves was this, followers of the way. Followers of the way that Jesus taught. The way that Jesus demonstrated and embodied, that way that Jesus unveiled for us understanding that what it meant to be on this journey was not about learning a set of static theological statements or sound bites, that it was a way of life and a way of love. It was a, a practice. This was a journey that we were to follow on, not a destination. It's a way. And still today in our time, that way is there for us even more a way to to grow in love and in life and in ourselves, to seek the flourishing of the world and of our neighbor. It's a way that's rooted in and empowered by the love of God for each of us. It's a way that says that love and grace are abundant in our world. 
abundantly there for us always, no matter what. And so we can share them abundantly and freely with those around us. It's a way that, that invites us in the midst of the busyness of this world to find balance and rest and margin, and t- a way that tells us that our worth is not found in being full to the brim. It's a way that sees our interconnectedness and sacredness of every face that we meet, especially the most vulnerable. And it's a way that helps us to learn to love our neighbor in action by offering compassion, seeking justice, and walking humbly. It's the way of Jesus. And it's a different way often. The way of love, the way of peace, the way of servanthood, the way that leads to life and flourishing for all who intersect its path. And in our day, especially in our day, it is a different way, a different way that's deeper. Sometimes it's counterintuitive and sometimes it's countercultural, but it's always deeply, deeply, deeply life-giving and full of love. And that's what makes this so important for us and for our world, especially right now, to learn a little bit more about the way of life, for life, for all. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to look closely at what Jesus teaches us about life and about how to walk in this way. We're going to look at the different ways that he points to and embodies and seek to learn from those things as well, to be students on this journey together in a world that is often leading us apart, away from each other, away from ourselves, away from love. We want to live and love in a different way and come back to that path um, and love and respond in kindness, even when there's no ketchup in the, in the circumstances that we're in. So there's so much that we could say about the way of Jesus, and we'll, we'll cover a lot over the coming weeks, and we hope that it will be helpful and empowering for you. But uh, uh, in all of those ways that we're going to look at, it's not even exploring some of the more practical lessons from Jesus, like, you know, how to up your sandal game and stuff, the, um, which Jesus had on lockdown, I know. But we want to start this week with one of the fundamental postures that I think Jesus took toward the world and toward those that he met, toward everything, really. Uh, There was an openness in Jesus, a hospitality uh, toward all that he encountered. But even more, there was a willingness in that openness to offer what he had, his time, his attention, his wisdom, his bread, his, his sandal advice, whatever he had for the sake of those around him. And that willingness was rooted in the sense of the abundance of life, that there's enough to share. And in the sense that in himself, he himself had something worthwhile to offer and that the other person was sacred and worthy of giving to. And so one aspect of the way of Jesus and his posture toward the world is this. It's it's the way of generosity. And when we see that word generosity, uh, we immediately think about money conversation, especially when a preacher with a face mic is saying the word generosity. It's just, you know, part of the whole thing. Um, And that is a part of this story. And Jesus had a lot to say about money and how we use it in the world, even if he chose not to have much himself. Um, But I want us to think about that word in that way in a bigger perspective, about a generosity of spirit and of life and of ourselves from which all those specific actions might flow. In some way, generosity is the spirit that gets life flowing out and between and among us all. It's because generosity opens our spirit. 
Around here, we say that word open a lot. Uh, I've thought about installing a counter up here uh, to just count how many times we do it because we say it a lot because we think that openness is a profoundly important quality of each of us and of this community as we seek to be open to God and to each other. The counter is just buzzing as I go (laughs) through this. Open, open, open. But in some way, generosity is openness in action. It invites us to not just be open, uh, but to open ourselves and our own gifts and our lives for the sake of each other. And so in relationships, generosity can mean to put the other first, to seek first to listen rather than to speak, to understand rather than to be understood, to give first rather than to receive, to hear the other's experience in a way that invites us to listen to it in whole, to give the benefit of the doubt, to think the best of each other, to receive each other with the wonder and appreciation and sacredness of life rather than suspicion. And in our world, that generous spirit is so important. It's important for us as, as a faith community, as we do faith life together here and in a world that's full of other beautiful faiths and ways of life. One of my favorite authors and public theologians is a guy by the name of Brian McLaren. Uh, and a few years ago, he wrote a book called A Generous Orthodoxy. And he invited us to learn, to open ourselves, that we might learn from the best of each other amidst our, even our own faith journeys. Orthodoxy is kind of a fancy church term for the essence of our faith traditions. And a generous orthodoxy invites us to let the essence of our faith not be about drawing lines that divide us from each other, but seeking to draw circles that include each other so that we can learn from and share this journey with all we meet. And Jesus lived this out. Jesus praised the faith of a Roman polytheistic centurion and a Samaritan who was of a different religion and culture. Jesus praised the faith of people who weren't sure what they believed or if they believed. He was generous of spirit and of faith. And the beautiful thing is that generosity that we see in Christ and through that we see in the heart of God, that generosity includes us too. In all our complexities and questions, God's heart is abundantly generous to us on this journey and invites us to be that way toward each other and toward our world as well. Generosity um, comes from this Latin root of genus or genera, where we get words like generation or genus or, or family, you know, our people, our generation, our family. And all the etymology is not exactly direct. In some way, generosity is about seeing our connection to each other, our family, in an open way, in a wider, deeper, truer way, to understand that we're part of this journey together, bound up together in a, in a garment of mutuality, that we belong to each other. And so in those cases, why would we not be open and generous with those around us, our larger family? And so at its heart, generosity comes from living at that place of connection as well. Generosity connects our lives to one another. It's a radical act of connection, of, of faith and of hope and of love in our neighbor, in this world, in the God who sits at the connection of all those things, to invest in each other 
and to invest in a world is to, to be a countervailing force of those that seek to pull us apart, instead to seek to pull together in this life, to be for each other. It's a different way of being. And so some of the greatest joys in my own life, uh, as I've heard from many of you as well, have been those opportunities where we've gotten a chance to be generous to those around us, to give help to someone who needed it, to support an important cause that stirred our heart and our sense of justice. Maybe just to give to a community like Open to make it possible. And all of that is part of this deep connection and the bonds that acts of generosity create in us and in our community. It strengthens those bonds of mutuality because in generosity we find and we experience and we put faith and hope in love in the fact that we are not alone in this world, that we are a part of something bigger. We are part of a people, of a generation, of a family that embraces the whole world and everything in it, that we are not alone. So the metaphor that Jesus uses to describe this way of generosity reaches to the heart of that. This is how he describes it. He uses that metaphor of a seed, which is always just such a beautiful metaphor. He says this, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and gives of itself, it remains alone. But if it gives of itself, it bears much fruit. It's a part of something bigger. It goes from being a lone seed to being connected to the life that is growing and flourishing and producing more seeds in our world. Generosity invites us to see that we are not alone. To not remain there in isolation in thought or action, but instead to be a part of something bigger, the fruit of life. So my family, in really small ways, has had opportunities over our life to, to work with people and and organizations that are doing work across the globe. Um, And though that work is small, it connects me in an important way to these bonds of mutuality that extend wider than my arms. Uh, I think almost daily about uh, these kids, um, now adults, who live in a tiny village outside of Lira in northern Uganda. And I think about the way that they were so incredibly generous to us, and they are to each other, continue. And I think about the specific lives there of Solomon and Rose and Faith and Barbara and more, and I remember that connection that we share, that we are on this journey together. We're both working for life and love and liberation in our own cultures and contexts, yet we are connected in this work. We are not alone. And when I remember, and I remember that connection, generosity invites me to work a little harder, a little deeper, a little wider in this life as I remember that I do not work alone, that we are a part of a larger story. And all of these things are are not because, like, I'm awesome. (laughs) I promise I am a selfish dork. Just, like, follow me around for five minutes, and you you will see that clearly. But it is because this is the way that life works. Just like Jesus says, the way of generosity is like a seed going into the ground, opening itself and becoming a part of something more. The way of generosity connects us to each other, opens us up, and grows life. And us, we are grown together in that experience. Generosity is an act of faith and hope and love. Faith in life and in each other and in the God who connects us 
all. So the way of generosity opens us up, it connects us, but even more, in this way that's very counterintuitive in a very Jesus way, generosity opens us up in a profound way to ourselves. It honors the truth, maybe even opens our eyes to this invitation, to the fact that each of us have so much to give. You are a beloved child of God, beautifully and colorfully made of sacred worth, and you have so much to give to this world, to each other, to the work of life and love and liberation in our world. And though it may seem like tiny seeds sometimes, there is nothing like seeing those seeds intersected by our empowering God grow to be a part of something bigger that bears so much fruit. And generosity is often the life force that helps us find life and helps us find those things that only we can give. And in turn, find those things in ourselves that is our gift to the world, our true self. And so take Jesus' metaphor of seeds. He talks about this wheat grain that falls into the ground and gives of itself. In its life, a grain of wheat is a seed that, that grows a hard outer coat that's there to protect it, to help it get through life, to survive along the way. That's part of the process of life. But that hard seed coat isn't the end of the story. It's not the end of the process. To take that next step on its life, it has to open itself. In the same way in this life, in our process and growth, we too develop those outer shells in order to protect and survive and develop and to get us through life. We've needed to take care of ourselves and develop in ourselves. That's part of the process of this journey of life together but it's not the end of the process. It's not the end of the story. If we stay closed, stay closed off to the world around us, to that bigger family that God is inviting us to be a part of, if a seed stays closed inside that protective shell, then it is basically just a rock, which I learned when I was a kid and I tried to eat a pinto bean that hadn't been cooked yet. Basically, it's a rock, according to my dentist um, there. (laughs) But, 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 when that seed coat has the courage to open up with that generosity of spirit and connection of self, maybe to be a little bit vulnerable in this way of giving of ourself, that seed becomes what it has always been meant to be, a growing, living part of this wonder that bears much fruit and is a part of something bigger. That little seed, when it opens up, had so much to give to the world. And in the process of opening, that seed became and uncovered even more what it was truly meant to be. And that is what Jesus is inviting us into. That's what it means to give of ourselves. It doesn't mean disappearing, denying our gifts or our passions or becoming nothing. It means opening them up so that they can grow into life-bearing gifts for this larger world of which we are a part. Generosity opens our shell and honors the truth that you have so much to give. And when you do, life bursts forth for all, and you included. Just within this community, in the last week, I was thinking of some of the stories. A friend who's a part of this place who's not working because they're a part of the UAW auto workers strike and is going a little bit stir-crazy in the midst of that, has opened his life and has been mowing a lawn for a family that needed it. 
in a heart, needed a helping hand right now. And that seed has brought life flourishing and growing. And he's thinking that maybe, you know, maybe lawn service is in his future someday too. Others have been cooking meals and delivering them to Taylor and Nathan, who we celebrated uh, last week, had just had a baby. Not only are those meals literally sustaining life, they're growing friendships and connections in this larger family that are life-giving. And this week, um, within this community, a young man who's connected to this place uh, lost his mom unexpectedly. And people from this community and from the Wesley uh, at UNT who've never done anything like this, many of them, have come around him, walked with him, and cared for him. Uh, Some are with him right now, today, as we speak. And though they may not think that they have much to offer, they are being the presence of Christ, life-giving to him right now, in compassion, in solidarity, in faith, in hope, and love, just by their openness to be generous with their time, with their presence, with their love, and with their life in an unimaginably difficult circumstance. That is the life that comes when we walk in the generous way of Christ with each other. Every week, there are stories just like that from this community because you come generously, offering yourselves to God and to each other and to your neighbor and to this world, your gifts and your resources, your spirit, your hearts, your arms, your lives, your love to each other, to this community, to all we encounter. And because of it, life is growing like sprouting seeds because we are not alone and generosity invites us into that life. And so this week, as we gather around generosity, the way of Christ invites us to open up, to live and to love generously and open to God, to each other. And in doing so, we will find even more, more of ourselves. Most of all, we will find that we are not alone in this journey. We are a part of something more. We are part of the life of Christ, the empowering love of God, the way of Jesus that leads to life for all. And so this week, in all we do, in our spirit, in ourselves, in our lives, with our hands and our hearts and our arms, may we be open. May we live even more generously together as a part of something more, as a part of a family as a part of ourselves as children of God. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, thank you for this story that we are invited to. This way of generosity, when it seems like oftentimes the ways around us invite us to be closed off, God, to to harden those shells, you invite us You stir us, you whisper to us to open up, to be a part of something more, to offer ourselves and what we have for the good of those around us, just like you did for us. God, thank you for showing us this way that leads to life and help us to have the courage to walk in it. Amidst this world, help us to be people of generous friendship, of gracious lives 
and of generous love, in openness of heart and spirit and arms and minds, just like you are for us. We pray this in your name.